Welcome to The Golden Shadow. My name is Aaron Rogerson. And I'm Melissa Polizzi. Today we're focusing on community as a concept, but also mm-hmm. we are advertising for our own community that wow. we might be building. We don't want to hype it up too much because there's still a lot of questions, a lot of obstacles in the way, and a lot of risks that are associated with mm-hmm. hosting a community. But um, we've registered a domain name, goldenshadow.org, and... We've been doing some community events slash interactions mm-hmm. with various online communities that kind of, there's a weird nebula of people that we've been interacting with on the internet that has sort of given us the idea of possibly expanding what this podcast is into more uh, what we could possibly teach or what kind of space we could hold yeah. or what kind of workshops, classes we could hold because because of the pandemic and the lockdown um zoom in case you haven't heard of it uh affords a kind of interaction over the internet that's quite um it's more powerful than let's say just a text interaction over the internet Mm. and the kinds of events that have cropped up because of it people meeting on the internet to be together and to discuss philosophy or do even some sort of kind of group therapy uh, it seems like there's a lot of potential there yeah. to explore, and we are interested in exploring that. Certainly kind of throwing our hat into the ring, but this isn't anything really that new or an impulse that I think is something that you and I haven't touched upon before. Right. In fact, I think it's quite inborn within us. Eventually, we're going to get back to like typology and to our personality types. But I think like one of the resonant qualities that Arn and I both have is this desire to sort of construct and kind of give life to spaces where people can gather in meaningful ways. And in the past, we have been part of sort of tight knit communities that mm-hmm. have come together with different focuses. Um, my personal work has been built around that a lot. Um, yeah. Before the pandemic hit, I was effectively an event manager at a local shop so it's it's a huge focus for us and this kind of just feels like the next iteration of that goal yeah i mean we've both been very oriented towards other people in our lives and that's Mm -hmm. manifested in different ways because you and i have different personalities yeah but um trying to build something with other people Mm -hmm. or trying to organize a collaborative creative project of some kind or trying to find some way to bring people together towards a common goal or structure, whether that is explicit and conscious or just sort of implicit and unconscious. Mm. I mean, humans kind of do this naturally. They gravitate into tribes Mm -hmm. or groups and that's definitely been something that's been very active for both of us. But, um, this is more of a formal maybe attempt to construct something that has a name, Mm -hmm. like the golden shadow, um, might have a real structure and hierarchy even. Mm. Who knows what that means? But um, that's what we're curious about. Yeah. And so goldenshadow.org is up. It's not really much of a website (laughs) as much as it's like a... Landing page. A wall. (laughs) With our names on it. Oh, like a bulletin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Community bulletin board. Right. Um, but you can submit your dreams there. Mm-hmm. You can click on social media buttons. And yeah. uh, we put a 
little button for submitting any ideas you, the audience, might have for events that yeah. you might be interested. Yeah. Um, that could be us hosting speakers, mm-hmm. someone like Marie Stein, that might be a little um, lofty of a goal. Analyst. But Youngian Stein. Analyst, the idea of us talking to Youngian Analysts, inviting people to come listen on Zoom, mm-hmm. um, or us having a workshop. Mm-hmm. Alyssa has run her own workshops, yeah. plenty of them, and those have gone really well. Um, some kind of class, mm-hmm. some kind of more engaged, embodied group therapy session, which is complicated yeah. because it's hard to hold space that's like a safe, controlled space on the internet like this. Yeah, I've had a lot of ideas around that kind of as I've expanded my personal uh, work, uh, this desire to kind of want to gather a group together in a really intentional way where there's commitment that's sometimes been formulated around very specific subjects, such as a dream group, like Mm. kind of commit for a certain amount of time. You bring a dream each month and not only do you get to work on your dream, but the group gets to work on your dream. And from my reading, I've never been part of one, but there seems to be really interesting dynamics that start to come up when people are gathering and circling up in this way and there start to be even like shared dream dynamics and themes kind of moving through the group. Um, so that's like one example of something I've wanted to do for quite mm-hmm. a long time, but have just not pulled the trigger on. So things like that, you know, formulating these intentional uh, gatherings uh, that could span lots of different subject matters, um, workshops that are more interactive uh, where you get to meet people, but also do some good inner work maybe more of that speaker style. I don't know. There's so many options and that's what's been cool about Zoom. The expansion of what is possible has really evolved in the last almost a year now that this pandemic has been going on. Yeah. I mean, the technology has probably been here for a lot longer than that, but it's more kind of like it's in the cultural mind now. It's like more accessible and people, I wouldn't want to have done this pre-pandemic. I you never would have thought of it. It would, it would sound yeah. kind of stupid to me. <laughs> like, why would I get on the internet and talk to people yeah. when I can talk to people in person? Yeah. But, but we have been doing that a lot. Yeah. That's like where the stoa comes in. Right. We need, we need to give credit to Peter Lindbergh. Thank you, Peter Lindbergh. And the stoa. <laughs> um, he definitely had a vision for the potential of video conferencing as far as holding events and mm-hmm. inviting speakers. Yeah. And this kind of weird sort of communal podcast thing that's happening where Mm -hmm. you're essentially recording audio just like a podcast just like we're doing now but you're in a zoom room and you have an audience that's with you in the zoom room yeah which is weird and the kind of thing (laughs) that you would you know not really think about before but it's interesting when you have some speaker come who may or may not be well known but like you have like 200 people show up in the zoom room just Mm -hmm. to listen and they're chatting away in the uh text chat option and people are getting to know each other and they're forming connections mm-hmm. afterwards outside yeah. of this zoom session uh so it's a very weird landscape <laughs> that's popped up um and as with technology always there's like a utopian aspects of it where it's like yeah. this is really cool this is so powerful i've been connected to someone that i would never ever meet in person who lives in australia yeah. and we're getting along maybe we're going to even going to collaborate who knows um but there's also dystopian aspects that come with this. And yeah. that's important to acknowledge that the idea of everyone moving onto Zoom as the primary way of socializing mm. to me is not a good thing. Yeah. Like it's not like that's great. 
it's like, no, that's kind of, that's kind of weird and sort of fucked up. I feel like, <laughs> um, so we have to acknowledge that that's why this is sort of difficult. There's like, there's so many possibilities with the internet mm. and with video conferencing and mm-hmm. the things that have been demonstrated in the last year to us. Um, yeah. things that we've demonstrated to ourselves, um, yeah, with the events that we've ran yeah. in the Stoa and your own events mm-hmm. on, on your own have illustrated the possibilities here, yeah. but there's also limitations and there's also things yeah. you need to recognize that the internet, because it sort of is disembodied and mm-hmm. virtual, it, it leaves so much room for strange pathological relationships yeah. and people being really naughty and mischievous who might inject that sort of negative energy into these spaces i gotta say though as someone who is running in-person events especially at like a greater community spot that there were some characters who showed up bringing super weird energy or dynamics you wouldn't expect or like someone's getting drunk at a meditation class it's like what is going on here so Uh, (laughs) it's like the spillover of like a natural uh human interaction but uh, Yes, the internet kind of amplifies it in some ways. And especially I think when you're dealing with certain events that are extremely open, there's not a lot of limitations of what it takes to get in. That's when you really start to see some weird stuff. Yeah, And it's it's a very interesting balance of wanting to have a space that feels approachable, yet at the same time needs to have some boundaries. Yeah. And that's where the skill really comes in with how mm. to properly do this kind of thing. Yeah, but we're interested in exploring it. Mm. It feels like a natural progression. Um, but for the time being, as we're really contemplating this and figuring out what it can mean, we are running a, a weekly event at the STOA. Right. So if you haven't been listening, we've mentioned the STOA a few times, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that many times, actually. Anyways, the STOA.ca is the website, and this is run by Peter Lindberg. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially a Zoom event i'd call it like a zoom venue yeah he hosts speakers and he hosts events Mm -hmm. and that's kind of it yeah so people show up from all over the world to go to these free events that are hosted at the website it's kind of like a venue like a bar or like Mm a um you know a place where you might run shows in real life where it's like there's performances and people come to watch the performances and then they leave yeah that's kind of what it is but we're running a weekly event Mm -hmm. at the stoa and we've already been doing this in the past but it's starting up again now. So yeah. if you are curious about what we're talking about, you can go to the stoa.ca and you can check out other events, but you yeah. can also attend our weekly event, yeah. which is on Fridays Friday. at 6 p.m. Eastern. 6 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. And, and the event is called Shadow Play. Shadow Play. So uh, the concept of this obviously is drawn from the idea of shadow work, but how do we approach this kind of communal activity in a way that's a little bit lighter, a little bit more playful, yeah. kind of diving into those depths, putting your toes into the waters of the unconscious, but not doing so in a way that might create an environment of overwhelm where we're not trying to be each other's therapists, mm-hmm. where we are just beginning to cultivate that relationship and that dialogue to those parts of ourselves. And so we are still experimenting a lot, I'd say, with the actual structure and what we're offering. But it's it's kind of, at least to this point, kind of turned out to be all these different themes each week where we explore a different dimension of the shadow. Yeah. No two sessions have been the same yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, this podcast, 
is themed around the shadow. Yes. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's what it's called. And, you know, the introduction episode is about the golden shadow and what mm-hmm. the shadow means and mm-hmm. the potential that lies within. But, you know, this entire podcast has not been about, like, trauma. We did yeah. one episode on trauma, but, you know, yeah. it's all these different things you can explore. It's mm-hmm. very... I prefer, personally, and I know maybe some, like, uh, purists, some maybe Jungian elitists might think the shadow has, like, a very narrow interpretation. But mm-hmm. to me, partly because of, like, my synthesizing mind... Uh, but it's a very broad concept to me and you can look at it at all these different angles and you can see it apply in all these different realms and that's like why it's really cool to explore it it's because of all these things it could mean so yeah i think the entire podcast has been an exploration of the shadow it's true in the sense that it's been an exploration of the things that we don't understand or normally really think about or the ways in which we trick ourselves Mm -hmm. or the ways in which our relationships fail because we're not uh, making sense of what's happening that all has to do with the shadow, mm. in my opinion. So yes. the, this event shadow play, it's essentially just like an expansion of the podcast. Yes, that's a good way to think about Anything it. Anything that we've talked about here, I yeah. think it's fair game yeah. for like doing shadow work. Yeah. And there's all these interesting ways that we can sort of improvise exercises mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. games or yeah. some sort of playful exchange. Mm-hmm. And that's the shadow play part is like yeah. we want to stay playful. and. Yeah. It's tough. And that, again, that, then this gets into this, the whole idea of the, the limitations and risks with these spaces. It's mm-hmm. like someone might come on who has like some serious, difficult, traumatic history yes. and then they might open up and like, you know, have a bad episode. Uh, and there's that might happen. Yeah. <laughs> there's not much that we can do to stop that other yeah. than do our due diligence and explain the beginning of these events. FYI, this is not supposed to be a group therapy session. This mm-hmm. is a free public event. Yeah. Please don't expect this to serve as any sort of um, you know, therapy, I guess would be the best way to put it. And uh, we're not yeah. therapists and that's important to state. Yes. It's like you and I are not clinical psychologists. Mm-hmm. We don't have any degrees in this. Yeah. Um, and we're not stating otherwise. We're, right, we're not being like, we can diagnose you. It's like, no, we're just, uh, we're just two smart artistic people who are interested in these topics. And yeah. what can we, what can we play with here that helps provide some sort of uh, fertile, growth development for you yeah i think our approach really is to create a container and environment of um contemplative playful um self-inquiry and i think you can look at it that that idea in a really narrow way and feel like that always brings connotations of like therapy and things like that but Mm -hmm. there's so many different activities, especially communally that you might engage in that brings that same flavor. And like what's coming to mind to me is for many, many years, I was pretty dedicated yogi. I mean, I still am, but not like anymore in the community. And when you go to class regularly, you have like the same people always showing up on their mat. Mm. You've come because a teacher is giving like that Dharma-like talk. They are helping you tune into the body. They're helping you watch your thoughts. You might get emotional in class. You might be in Shavasana and start crying. You might be like in a warrior two pose, like sweating like crazy, wanting to just like freak out. Mm -hmm. And yet you're being guided through like sitting through those difficult emotions. And that's like honestly therapeutic, but it's also, it's just creating this container where we can, be present with ourselves. And, and I think that's what we're doing. We're kind of bringing in some guidance, but it's, it's not therapy, but it is in some ways healing, explorative and therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And, and it's been really interesting so far 
I think people have found it valuable and we've been able to uh, design some events around like active imagination, which was mm -hmm. very compelling. We mm -hmm. did more of like an archetypal exploration on another one. So yeah, if you're interested in what we've been talking about here, I'd say come check out Shadow Play at the Stoa. Check out everything else that's happening at the Stoa. The events are free, which is incredible. And you can support Peter uh, on Patreon to keep that going. So yeah. we're really happy to be a part of uh, supporting the Stoa and being able to test out Shadow Play there. Yeah. So we say we're trying to build a, build a community and it's not always clear what that means. Mm. And it's not clear what people mean when they say they want a community or yeah. they feel like they're lacking a community mm. or they want to build a community. Community is a word that's been thrown around quite a bit. I feel like especially amongst young people, uh, people our age, sure. our generation for sure. I feel like it's like everyone I know is sort of interested in this idea of what community is and how to build it. Mm. And maybe, you know, maybe I only know a certain kind of person who's actually interested in that. And maybe I don't know the kind of people who wouldn't be interested in that. And that makes sense. But um, it's hard to really nail down what community is. And I think there's a lot of pitfalls when it comes to thinking that you are building a community yeah. or that you're part of a community um, when I would say maybe you're not actually mm -hmm. really part of a community or like that community just sort of fizzles out and disappears. And yeah. it's like, well, how did that happen? If it was a real community, how did it just mm. disappear? Yeah. Cause it happens mm -hmm. it's, and it's kind of, you know, it's happened to us in certain ways. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about building a community with golden shadow, mm -hmm. what do we mean? You know, like what are we actually getting at? Yeah. And are what do what is what we really mean that we're like we're building a business actually and we're trying to like get money from doing stuff like this. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's you know, that's partially true. But um the whole idea of building a community, uh, I think is something that I don't think it's any less abstract and complicated than any of the other topics that we've done. Sure. In fact, it might be more complicated and abstract. Uh, yes. As far yes. as what actually is a community? Yeah. What are the structures that make a community what it is? Yeah. What do people want when they're seeking community? And mm -hmm. why can't they get it? Or where have they succeeded in getting it? Yeah. I feel like I don't know how to answer that question. It's like becoming more and more abstract the more that I think about it. But this is really where I'm at. Community, at least the forming of community, the desire for community is like so archetypal. It's deeply ingrained. It's instinctive. There is like this inborn tendency to gather and structure and form some sort of cohesive agreed upon whole. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's kind of what's coming to mind for me. And then like kind of the details of it, what the community is imbued with kind of shifts and changes depending on like the focus of the community. But yeah. I don't know, to me, pillars of community are like uh, a common mythos or common struggle. Like there's some sort of commonality that is bringing together a group of people, which might mm -hmm. even just be like, we are trying to survive in this part of this land yeah. or we are bound together by a certain spiritual tradition or we feel a desire to want to grow and deepen ourselves through this type of like collective individuation and those shared values 
something that draws people together in a commonality forms powerful community, Yeah, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, when people interact, they're having, you know, social engagement. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean community no. to me. I don't think, I don't think no, it's that simple. Not like, you know, yeah. let's say you have two people who are like becoming friends or they're getting to know each other. It's like, is that a community? Yeah. Two people? Most people would say no. What about three people? No, probably still not. <laughs> Five people is still not really a community. So it's mm. like there's kind of like a numbers thing. Yeah. It's it, like, yeah, there's. At least like ten to twenty people to like feel like you have a community going, maybe. Um, and then you, have, you know, the question is, well, what makes it a community? Mm. Is it just people who know each other? Yeah. Sometimes. <sighs> Sometimes, sort of. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I like to think of it is there's usually something, as you already touched upon, some sort of uh, focal point. Yeah. Or some sort of nucleus or some sort of meme Mm -hmm. that's being thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some sort of dense mass in a metaphorical way at the center of a group of people that they are sort of arranging themselves around. They're kind of revolving around something. Yes. And that's what's sort of bringing them together. Mm. And I think that we instinctually do this. Mm. It's not even conscious. I think that we just tend to find like, Oh, hey, there's something attractive there that other people are attracted to. And I'm attracted to the thing, but I'm also attracted to the other people who are attracted to the thing. Therefore, we're all sort of revolving around the thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's the thing? Uh, maybe we're all Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the thing, yeah. Star Wars. It's like, is that a community? Uh, it could be. I mean, it, is it, for it, a it lot depends. Of uh, maybe it's one person. Maybe there's some really, really charismatic dude mm, and yeah. uh, everyone just kind of like falls under his spell and they think that he's really, really awesome and they just sort of start building a community around him. Right. And you get these sort of stereotypical cult formations. Right. It's like, that's a community. It is a community. It's like, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's something that I would say is... Well, I'll get, I'll get to that in a second, but let's say people are coming together because, um, you know, they need, uh, support. Mm. They all have children mm. and they need to find a way to raise their children better because yeah. doing it by themselves is too like difficult. mommy groups. Right. Yeah. So let's say there's a bunch of single moms, they all have children yeah. and they need some help. Yeah. So they band together. Yeah. And what the thing that they're kind of focusing around is sort of like the children. Right. And it's not just one child. It's kind of like the act mm. of child rearing is mm. the thing that they're sort of, um, arranging themselves around, mm-hmm. revolving around. And this natural structure starts to build mm. that revolves around this thing that's at the yeah. center. Um, and I would say the sort of the difference between, this, this is tough because like it's calling things real and not real. It's like, this is what, you know, this is how I would describe a real community mm. as opposed to a not real community. But it's like the more foundational and grounded and core the thing that you're sort of revolving around, the more likely the community is to be strong Hmm. and to be resilient and to actually be um, uh, something that's going to survive over time. Okay, so you're you're kind of saying that as an example, like the Star Wars community versus something like the mommy group community, like what what binds the mothers together is the nurturance of their children, how deeply important that is mm-hmm. to not only the child's survival but also like 
the mothers. Like this is how they will get by versus like, okay, with the Star Wars community, like they'd be okay if it disbanded or it's fulfilling some things, you know, a sense of connection and um, entertainment and, you know, being able to connect with people. But at the same time, it's not life sustaining. Well, mm, for some people they need, okay, it's going to get complicated. It gets complicated. (laughs) Definitely. Um, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I with, with the Star Wars community, like it's like, is it actually Star Wars? Is that actually the thing well, that people are arranging around? That's that's that was or the other is, point. Is Star Wars just an excuse for people to come together? Well, or then, like, what is under the surface? Right. Like the Star Wars community, Star Wars is like the mask, basically, yeah. of like a replication of what one might find in a religious community, yeah. or what might, well, what one might find in a family, big family mm-hmm. dynamic community. Yet they're finding it under the binding force of Star Wars, yeah. which, by the way, powerful mythological archetypal story mm-hmm. that captures the spirit and psyche of so many people. Yeah. So that is pretty powerful. It's powerful. It's fictional, which makes it tough. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't have like an eschatology in the mm. sense of like, judgment day is coming for real. Like come <laughs> together, band together so you'll survive. You know, Star Wars, it's like you're, you're not actually believing anything's going to happen. So that's not as powerful as, hmm. for instance, like the Christian mm. myth, I would say. Sure. Like that's more powerful sure. than the Star Wars myth because it's interpreted the Christian myth is in some ways real. Yes. Um, one thing it's that kind of, story, yeah, that kind of came to mind to me is like, why do people seek community or why does it form kind of mentioned this term earlier, but like collective individuation um, as in, you know, if we try to just individuate as like a siloed beings Mm. our individuation is basically uh not fully expressive partly successful a sham even to become more of who we are is to recognize then the value of the energy we put into the collective and the sharing of that and the Mm. strengthening of it and we really can't know ourselves truly unless we come into relationship with others the relational container is what helps us see all the things that are in the darkness of yeah. our psyche mm. and people kind of rubbing up against each other in these tight knit groups forces development or at least kind of it entangles you in that, in that shared mythos, you know, yeah. and, and that kind of helps you f- move along this path of uh, deepening into personhood. Mm. And I feel that, to truly walk that path in a way that is expansive is to come into community with others. We need that. We need that in some form. Yeah. Otherwise you're just sort of this blossoming flower alone in the field. And it's like, yeah, that looks pretty, but then it kind of just goes away. Right. So you're tapping in, you're, you're deepening the point I was making mm-hmm. for sure, which is that the, the more core, the central, entity that the community is revolving around yeah um the more resilient and strong the community will be yeah and so if your community is sort of surrounded if you say you have an online community quote unquote online community which i would maybe dispute is a real community um based on how we're defining it um like you said that's not something that's really um integral to life Mm. and if it disappears are you going to die? Yeah. Is your life going to be destroyed? Yeah. Probably not. And therefore, was it really anything that's substantial to begin with? Mm. Um, something like coming together to raise children, like the mommy group. Yeah. Maybe it's not even the mommy group, but let's say you have like families 
yeah. the, the dads around as well, but people who are actually coming together to raise their children uh, and make sure that those children thrive as much as possible. Mm. I would say like that's like really the most core human thing there is. Right. And therefore that is what's going to have like the most resilient, grounded realness to it as far as community yeah. goes because um, it's not only how we evolved, we evolved mm. to be in tribes. And what do those tribes mm-hmm. do? It's the tribes banded together to survive and raise their children and make yeah. sure those children thrive and carry the torch and keep going. That's what a community really is at its core. Yeah. And that's where our drives are pointing at. Mm. And the closer you are to that... I would say, and again, this is complicated, the stronger your community is going to be mm. and the, more, the less likely something is going to come around and just knock it away. Yes. I I think maybe I've mentioned like the dynamics of my childhood on this podcast, but yeah. I always consider that this desire to want to kind of facilitate community or emulate it in some way comes from having been raised in a very strong familial community mm-hmm. where I was being raised along with four cousins on this side, my aunt, uncle, three cousins on that side and all my aunt, uncles, my grandma, grandpa, the neighbor kids, even it, it, there was some depth, spiritual beauty to that mm. being raised in it where it's like every week, you know, families coming over, parties are a big deal, you mm. know, like there's this real sense that, I have my own siblings yet like also my cousins are my siblings. Yeah. And I was like, my father was raised that way. All of his cousins are like his siblings. I mm-hmm. call them aunt and uncles because they're like brothers and sisters to him. And yeah. there's this sense that this is what life should be like. And and then I left at mm-hmm. a, a, a rather young age, moved to California. Right. You didn't choose that. No, I didn't choose that. My yeah. parents did for understandable reasons, yeah. but that, sense of loss of that is something that I sometimes wonder if I'm chasing in a way with other forms of community that I want to create because I, the value that I got from that at such a young age, still that imprint is still there. Right. And it it makes me feel like if I have a family one day, like that need to, to have to raise them in that environment is like, it's almost like, I almost like it has to be that or not at all. That's mm-hmm. extreme, but still it's kind of like being raised without that is, it feels lonely. Yeah. I mean, the the family aspect, the, when you're actually like around kin again, mm-hmm. like I'm going to say that's like a very primordial, deeply ingrained core human thing. So communities that are really like focused around kin, mm. they're going to be strong communities Yeah, because it's not so easy to break a bond between mm. kin, no matter what, even, yeah. if, even if it's kind of dysfunctional. <laughs> and I mean, that can be, and that can be bad too. It's like, you might not be able to get away from your kin and you may be just like locked into a really unhealthy relationship. But the point is that it's a strong bond because mm-hmm. we're built for it. We're built yeah. to be around our kin. And so when a community is sort of revolving around this strong core thing, the more resilient it is. Yeah. And you can understand yeah. if like a huge disaster was going to happen, World War Three or like the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, is your community going to band together to deal with it? Yeah. Or is your community just going to completely disperse? Right. And if it does disperse, it's like, well, maybe it wasn't a real community to begin with. Right. If it doesn't know how to deal with like the oncoming flood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. episode 26 <laughs> or something like that. Um, so the 
but the other thing that's important about that is like the, again the, the the groundedness of the shared meme let's mm-hmm. say is um really important the more core it is to what we are as humans which is like survival mm-hmm. kin children shelter food mm-hmm. all those things are like pretty like primordial yeah needs the closer it is sort of built around that the stronger the community is going to be mm. the more likely it's going to feel meaningful too i would say yeah there's going to be exceptions of course depending on who you are but um in addition to that what you want is what you said which is sort of like the collective individuation yes yes which is confusing because it's like what individuation means sort of like split, splitting apart <laughs> and becoming an individual <laughs> so isn't that the opposite of community <laughs> but it's like well no, no, no. okay so the, the, the terms are confusing here but a community should be about growth Yes. And development and change mm. because all things all things must pass. Yes, everything's always changed. Life has changed. Yeah, that's like the only like constant. Yeah, is change. Yeah. Um, and so communities that are strong and resilient and feel meaningful and actually function properly, I would say, um, they do so partly because they're helping each of their members individuate. Yes, mm. become the people that they're meant to be. Mm. And that doesn't mean maximal individualism. It's mm-hmm. not the interpretation of like, mm-hmm. do your thing. Like you do whatever you want to do and just be yourself. You're an individual. That's not what individuation is referring to. Individuation <laughs> is referring to like becoming the most uh, uh, the most complete, the most whole. Yeah. And that might be, in some cases, being a mother who has five kids. And she doesn't really get to be a, like crazy self-centered individual because her life is about other people mm-hmm. but she's very complete in that way she's fulfilling her purpose in that way yeah. and the more a community actually helps its individuals align around the path of individuation but also a shared individuation where it's like the community itself is individuating yeah it's becoming complete that's really the mark of a real community yes i would say yeah, we did an episode on individuation, if anybody's mm-hmm. wanting more clarity, um, episode eight. Mm-hmm. But individuation does have this marked quality of as you enter deeper into your own personhood, as you stop being so divided against yourself, as you become more of your own individual, meaning like you reclaim those parts of yourself that have been cast aside it, it brings along this quality of being able to see others more clearly because you're not projecting all over them mm-hmm. or you're not taking in a bunch of bullshit. Um, and that strengthens community, that that strengthens relationships. And coming together in community, assisting each other through those challenges is what it's all about. Um, the therapeutic container, the analytic container, you might even say what they do with Jungian analysis is trying to emulate that which should be happening in real life, quote unquote, real life, meaning in your relationships, in mm. your family, in your community. But we're not really given those guidelines at all anymore. There's nothing that's really helping parents guide individuation or friends help each other guide individuation. Instead, we run into the challenges and then we split apart yeah. and the relationships don't hold. So when a community is strong, when it's binding people together through these different elements, which might be actual family dynamics but maybe something else that binds them you can kind of weather those storms and you grow through that you transform through it Mm -hmm. um and so does the other person and then the community strengthens um each individual is playing their part yeah you can think about how 
if individuation is similar to the process of the hero's journey, it's like we have to do our part to go on our journey. We have to fight our monsters. We have to go into the underworld of our own psyche. But when that happens and you transform, you bring back those boons to the collective, to the town, to the family, you know, like Odysseus returns. Like he doesn't just go off forever and never come back. There's Mm. a feeling that you return to the collective changed and developed and and that's what makes community successful otherwise it does tend to crumble right right so there's the the individual path which is very important and you know there's always a balance between independence and interdependence Mm. Mm -hmm. you don't want one or the other yes you want a balance between the two and part of the community is like you do have to go on your own journey yes you do need to have the self-worth capacity you do need to be independent in the sense that you don't you're not you're not dependent on other people that you can actually take care of yourself, Mm. but you still choose to associate with other people Mm. and you still take care of other people and they still take care of you. Not out of weakness, not because you're desperate, but because it's out of strength. And you do go out on the journey that you're talking about, kind of like Odysseus, and you conquer the chaos in yourself or in Mm. the world, but you also keep coming back Mm. and you keep making sure that these sort of shared thing the shared energy of yeah. the group is constantly being revitalized and maintained and eventually passed on to the next people yeah the shared thing that i'm talking about is the torch is what <laughs> i would call it and that's my series on my youtube channel if you want to check that out um youtube.com slash arn rogers youtube.com slash arn rogers um <laughs> okay so we've <laughs> just touched on like some really heavy themes and yeah. expanding on this idea of community yeah is this what we're trying to do with Golden Shadow.org. Is this what we're trying to create? Uh, well, what we're describing is something that I think is like really, really hard <laughs> to build from scratch. Very and hard. And especially at this point in life, honestly, it's just like, it, it, that's why a lot of communities that are resilient are built upon a template that has already existed for like thousands of years, mm-hmm. you know, religious communities. Yes. It's like, there's a template of how to do this properly. Yeah. It's called a church. There's a, a pastor at the church. Yeah. There's a book of scriptures. There's all this culture that's baked in. Mm. It's very, very old. The community already has a template. You just need to go inside it mm. and do your thing. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful. And there's also family. I mean, like family, it's like you can't you can't do again growing up with certain individuals for 10 to 20 years. It's like, we'll just do it again. It's like, no, it's too late. You only get to do that once. Yeah. And so that's another thing. It's like building the kind of thing that we're talking about. We're not built for doing that over and over again from scratch. Yeah. We're built for doing it once. <laughs> you're built for doing it with the people that you're born with yeah. in a tribal setting where you all know each other. It's all one big family. And the fact that we sort of live in this weird splintered society where that isn't really going to happen very easily anymore and everyone just scatters after school or whatever, or they never go to school in the first place, depending on your situation. Um, doing the things that we're talking about is really tough. Yeah. And we're certainly not claiming like we've done this. We figured it out. We're describing it to you. Therefore, we are masters of this. It's like, no, it's like we've failed over and over again with this idea. Yeah. We've got sort of like the personal individuation thing kind of in motion. Mm. It's not perfect. We're not no. perfect individuals. Um, but the whole shared individuation, the collective individuation, it's, it's a real puzzle. Yeah. It's not clear how to do that properly. No, I think 
when it comes to what we're desiring to build, what we want to give space to, it's it's with all of those things that we've just talked about in mind without mm-hmm. trying to put too heavy implications on it. You know, are we trying to construct a family? Are we trying to construct a religious community? It's like, uh, we just want to make space for meaningful self-work, the collective individuation for people mm-hmm. to gather in a space that feels open yeah. and um, welcoming and mm-hmm. expansive. And who knows what that means? I have no idea what it means, but right. just there's something in the need to follow the path. I think that you and I both feel, mm-hmm. you know, it's that like deep kind of like intuitive quality. That's like, there's something here and I don't know what it is yet but I know it's meaningful yeah. and I think we have our own pillars that we want to build that on collective individuation, a common mythos of what we think the meaning of life really is, all that kind of stuff, uh, a shared value system that comes from people coming in together and putting their own piece into the pot and, and just seeing where it goes. Yeah. I mean, the, we're going to keep using this term over and over again, but the drive for individuation, I think, is strong in me and mm-hmm. always has. I've always been sort of an agent of change or an agent of self-improvement mm-hmm. or an agent of, like, you know, doing what I think is right. Mm-hmm. But the personal version of that feels incredibly limiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, limiting? Mm-hmm. I made a word. Limitating is not a word. <laughs> it feels limitating. Levitating. <laughs> Uh, it feels incredibly limiting yeah. uh, to do this on an individual level. And I've mm. always felt very, very drawn to trying to become all you can be and become complete and achieve what I think you're meant to achieve as a human being, to do that as a group, yeah. as a team. And that drive is still incredibly strong in me. And it's been a really difficult learning experience over this whole time, but I still feel strongly it's like, the path of personal individuation that is combined with collective individuation, that's the path for me. Mm-hmm. And it's always felt that way. And is it possible? I think it is. Mm-hmm. Can we get paid to do it? Yeah. And I don't think getting paid to do it corrupts it. I don't think the idea of like, well, if you're doing this for money, is obviously not real. It's like, no, I think it can be real. And I think that we can, we can help people, um, find their path through us. Mm-hmm. We can help people become more complete. Yeah. We can help people, um, you know, engage with their shadows yeah. and integrate that and turn to gold in some sense. Um, and I think both you and I feel strongly that that's possible. It's mm-hmm. not clear what it will look like, mm-hmm. but that is the path for us. Yeah. doesn't mean it's what's going to happen. I don't think that everyone does what they were meant to do. Yeah. But I do think this is what we're meant to, meant to do. Yeah. Not just like goldenshadow.org is our destiny. It's like it might not be. <laughs> and this might just like totally flop. And we might decide like never mind. We're not doing this. This doesn't work at all. But still the instinct mm. is there. The intuition is there yeah. to wander into this darkness and just see if we can find what we think is there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested in getting a taste of that, I'd say come to the Stoa. Fridays, 6 p.m. Eastern, we'll be doing Shadow Play. You can check it out. Right, just um, if they go to the website and RSVP mm-hmm. for the event. Yeah. It's, it's on Zoom, and hopefully you're already familiar with doing that process. Yeah, and uh, goldenshadow.org, as in that's the website, www.goldenshadow.org, is 
very simple right now, but we'll be posting updates there. Um, I think we mentioned earlier, but there's like a submission form for what would you like to see us build? Events, workshops, classes, group sessions, things like that. We want to hear from you and get a sense of what it is people are feeling drawn to and how can we support the building of that. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow org. Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Head over to goldenshadow.org to submit your dream for possible interpretation on a future episode. Thanks for listening. Until next time.